Hey everyone, welcome to Refinery Life Church and welcome to another Tuesday evening teaching. I'm so glad that you're joining us again this year. Why don't, before we go any further, you, you share this with someone. Invite them to come and watch with you. And you know, if you're looking for a new church home or you've got friends that are looking for a new church home, why don't you come to the refinery? We meet at 9.30 on Sundays at 23, T.E. Peters Drive at Broadbeach and we also meet at 3 p.m. at Yatler on Sundays. If you like the details for Yatler, get in contact with us and we'll let you know. Join me now in the Lord's Prayer. We pray the Lord's Prayer every time we meet because this was Jesus' model prayer, wasn't it? When the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray, this was his response. He said, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. The four Gospels contain the written testimony of inspired writers who report not only the events in Jesus' life, but also the significance of those events. And Paul's letters were written to exalt Jesus Christ and to explain the meaning of his life and his teachings. They were also written to meet the great needs of the early disciples. And you know what? Those same needs are here right now. Nothing has changed in 2,000 years. So we should start to try and understand them. And the central theme of the Apostle Paul is the theme of this series. And it's based on Paul's five major letters. If you missed the first couple of messages, feel free to go back and have a look at them. And today's message is a really good one. It's titled, When You Have Been Wronged. So I'm sure we've all been there, right? The text we're concentrating on is 2 Corinthians 4, 8 and 9. If you've got your Bible, open it up and let's read it together. It says in verse 8, We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, yet not in despair. Verse 9, persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Can we say that as believers? Can we say that as the church? We should be able to. The scriptures we're working through are 2 Corinthians 4, 8 to 10. Let's read them again. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. I'm going to read it a little bit slower so we get this. We are, not, we are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down and not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. Hallelujah. If you've got your seed and you're ready to sow, let's pray for our offering. You're sowing into good soil at the refinery. Father, we come to you today because we love you. And Lord, that you made us. And Lord, you redeemed us. And we know that every good gift and every perfect gift comes from you, Lord. Lord, we want to be stewards of what you've given us, so make us good stewards. It's by your grace that we've been brought with a price, and therefore we desire to glorify you and you alone. Lord, receive from our hearts and from our hands these gifts today, and bless them and use them to your glory. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. If you're ready to sow your seed, details will be on the bottom of the screen. You know, some people in Corinth didn't like Paul. Some of you might feel the same. 
They were infuriated by his insistence on Christian morality and his daring to correct those whose lives had proved to be a contradiction of their profession. We see this quite regularly. Someone's professing to be a Christian and, and, and you know they're, they're all high and mighty, but when you look at the fruit in their life, it tells us a different picture. These worldly Christian me church members and the Judaizers joined force against him. The man who seemed to be the ringleader was the same man who Paul reprimanded in 1 Corinthians 5, 1 to 15. Go back and have a read of it later. 1 Corinthians 5, 1 to 15. He was reprimanded for having an affair with his stepmother. Apparently this man was influential, however. He persisted in his sin, leading an open revolt against Paul and taking some of the leaders with him. Because of Paul's second letter, the church came back into line. They recognized the evil of this man and they disciplined him. Let me tell you, all of you who are calling for revival, it's not going to come until you have reformation, until you come back to having Christ at the center. And then revival will come out of that. The church come back into line, it said. But in the process, Paul was badly wronged both by the man he reprimanded and by others in the church. They said that Paul had no authority to advise them, that he bore no letters of commendation from, from leaders in Jerusalem. And, and they did have these letters. And that he had a weak and unimpressive personal appearance. They also accused him of going back on his word by not visiting Corinth when he said he would. If ever a man was wronged, it was Paul. But because of his strong Christian witness, even under fire, he had provided us with three basic truths, which we're going to go through this evening, that we can apply to our own lives when we've been wronged. First one is there are lessons to learn. When you've been wronged, there are lessons to learn. 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Any time we're wronged, we can learn a lesson from the experience and emerge stronger and wiser. When Paul was wronged, he learned three worthy lessons from his experience. First, how to triumph over wrong. To triumph over wrong does not mean to overcome it or defeat it. Rather, it means to refuse to be overcome or defeated by the wrong done to us. Let it go. We may not be able to control what others do, but we can control how we respond to the wrongdoing, can't we? This victory has both a human and a divine side. If we do our part, God will be faithful to do his part. And God will provide human endurance. 2 Corinthians 1.6 says, now, if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. God will provide divine comfort. Look at 2 Corinthians 1.5. For as the sufferings of Christ also abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. We are not left to face our trials with sheer human endurance alone. The Lord is with us. And then there's the comfort of God that sustains us 
Between verse 3 and 7, the word comfort appears nine times. Between verses 3 and 7. Nine times, that's a lot. Do you think the Lord's trying to tell us something? The God of all comfort upholds us with his compassion and care. God shows us how to comfort others who are wronged. Our God is the one we are told in 2 Corinthians 1.4 who comforts us in all tribulation that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. What we've been given, we should be also giving away. That's what it's telling us here. Once we've endured suffering and sorrow, we are better able to help others who are struggling with the hardships of life. If you're a minister and you've never lived life, I don't know how you deal with drug addicts and prostitutes. We need to have an understanding on what they're going through. God shows us how we are able to depend on him. Look at 2 Corinthians 1, 8-9. It says we're delivered from suffering. Verse 8, For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of all our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who, raise, who raises sorry, the dead. We should have faith in God who raises the dead. He's all-powerful. He can do anything. We have no information about the terrible experience that Paul was going through at Ephesus, but he recognized the experience had been beneficial. It had driven him back to God. Maybe what you're going through out there, church, is trying to get you back to God. It had proved to him his utter dependence on God. Maybe that's the lesson you need to learn, to be utterly dependent on God and not man, certainly not the government. Second thing this evening is the attitudes we are to display. Anytime we're wronged, we must realize that the real injury is not the wrong itself, but the attitude that it invokes. Seldom does wrong or being wronged cripple us. Very rarely. But we can cripple ourselves by having an unforgiving attitude toward those who wronged us. Paul portrayed the kind of attitude we must display whenever we suffer an injustice. We must have an attitude of openness. 2 Corinthians 1, 12 and 13 talks about Paul's sincerity. It says, For our boasting is this, the testimony of our conscience, that we conducted ourselves in the world in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshy wisdom, but by the grace of God and more abundantly toward you. Verse 13, for we are not writing to any other things to you. Sorry, let me start verse 13 again. For we are not writing any other things to you than what you read or understand. Now I trust you will understand even to the end. The Bible is not one of those things we should just pull out every now and then. We should trust it until the end. Some claimed that Paul in his letters did not quite mean what he said. We, we've heard that within the church, not in recent years, but earlier. Well, you know, that even though that's what was written, that's not what it really means. Well, the Bible is literal. Paul replied that there were no hidden meanings in his words. I love that. He had maintained an attitude of absolute openness during his entire experience. He had nothing 
but the truth in being honest with all that were involved. In the language of today, he had called a spade a spade. What are we supposed to say when we've been wronged? What are we supposed to say? We just need to tell the truth. We're not to be vindictive or accusing. We're to be open. And an attitude of openness is always the right attitude in trying times. We must have an attitude of forgiveness. And I know that's hard. When Paul came to Corinth, he encountered the ringleader of the opposition. Paul's short visit had been poisoned by the efforts of one man. This man had insulted Paul. Although the man had been disciplined, some church members felt that the discipline had not been severe enough and wanted to impose even greater punishment. It was then that Paul's greatness had shone through. Paul said that enough had been done already. This man was now punished, and to exercise further discipline would do more harm than good. Our job is not to render sinners harmless by beating them into submission. That's not our job. Instead, our job is to gather them back into the kingdom of God. We must have an attitude of innate integrity. I keep hearing about all these people and their anointings, but they don't have the character and integrity to carry it. Therefore, they end up failing and falling. We've got to walk with them and gather them back into the kingdom. There's two kinds of integrity. There's infused integrity, and that's the reputation we hope to gain by what others say about us. Innate integrity is the character, though, that is ours because of the person that we are. One is counterfeit. The other is genuine. Which one do you want to be? Do you want to be that infused integrity where everyone says how great you are? Or do you want to have the integrity that comes from character and from within? One is assumed. The other is inherent. When we've been wronged, we should display the attitude of innate integrity. We don't have to answer every accusation thrown at us. Let me say that again. Some people at the back need to hear it. We don't need to answer every accusation that is thrown at us. Our lives and our character are answer enough. And then there's ministries to fulfill, isn't there? It's our third thing. 2 Corinthians 4.1 talks about the light of Christ's gospel. Therefore, it says, since we have this ministry as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. Paul said, therefore, since we have this ministry as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. In essence, Paul was saying, in spite of the terrible wrong that has been done to me, I will not be discouraged and I will not quit. I have a ministry to fulfill. We all should be able to say that. Too many people just give up when they're wronged. When things get a little bit tough, they just stop. It's all too hard. Someone was mean to me. If Paul had been easily discouraged, he would have quit the ministry long before he got to Corinth. We cannot allow criticisms and gossip from others distract us from our calling. We have ministries to fulfill. I'm sorry to say this, but if you're really upset when someone says something nasty to you and you're in ministry, you need to toughen up or get out, one or the other. And the more quickly we begin to fulfill our ministry, the more quickly we will recover from the wrong that is done to us. So what are some of these ministries that we must fulfill? The ministry of proclaiming Jesus Christ is one of them. 
The ministry of separating ourselves from the world is another. I don't care what happens in politics. I'm worried about kingdom. Even when we're wronged by a, 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 profession, a professing Christian, we have a ministry to fulfil, don't we? We must not allow offences to cause us to give up on our faith and return to the world. If you get offended, it's up to you what you do with it. I suggest you leave it alone. Don't pick it up and run with it. We are called to separate ourselves from the world. The ministry of dedicating our possessions is another one. Even if we've been wronged by others in the church, we are still called to dedicate our possessions to God. Oh, but Pastor Gary, tithing is Old Testament. Yeah, sure. But it's a starting point. New Testament says we give everything. Our Christian stewardship is not unto people, but it's unto God. The ministry of celebrating our sufferings is something else we should be doing. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul was saying, if it's God's will that this suffering stay with me, I will turn my suffering into celebration. It will become a ministry of celebration because my suffering is a living demonstration of Christ's power to sustain. Can you say that? Or do you just want to complain about your suffering? As we finish this evening, when we've been wronged, we have lessons to learn. We have attitudes to display and ministries to fulfill. Whatever wrongs that we may have faced, we can say with Paul the Apostle, now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Amen to that. And let me encourage you as I do every week to be diligent with your Bible study time because God has so much more for us that we can get from just going to church once or twice a week and hearing someone else talk about the word. When you spend time with God, your life will change in amazing ways because God is a redeemer. There's nothing that's too hard for him. And if you let him, he'll make you whole, spirit, soul and body. And you're important to God. You know that already. But you're also important to us at the refinery. So when it comes to prayer, we believe that God wants to meet your needs and reveal his promises directly to you. So whatever you're concerned about, and you need prayer for, we want to be here for you. Even if you just want to say hi, you can contact us on www.refinerylife.org or via any of our social media channels. This year, 2023, we're believing is it a year of divine restoration and divine recovery. Whatever the locusts have stolen will be coming back this year. You just need to get closer to the Lord. Get yourself planted in a church. Spend time with God. And until next time, stay in the blessings.